Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Last week, we discussed the idea of entering the harvest. Uh, Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, sends us out into the harvest. And we're going to continue that today in this series of teaching that uh, our co-host, Nathan Harper, is leading us through. And in doing so, we, we're praying that God would let you know that you can be an answer to your prayer. That's pretty good when, when that happens. And so the way God set it up, send out laborers, pray that, you'll, that God would send out the laborers, and you can be one of those laborers. Nathan, last week we talked about entering the harvest. The thought that I want to carry over, I know there's several, but Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Amen. He is Lord. And everything stems from him. Yes. The calling and the power, they're still the authority, they come from him. Absolutely. And so he says he sends us out as lambs and is, you know, as wool into the wolves. Yep. But we're dang- we should be dangerous lambs, shouldn't we? <laughs> Absolutely. It's because we're close to the shepherd. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Cl- the closer you are to the shepherd, the more dangerous you are. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay. So, yeah, we're talking about today engaging the harvest, and we actually did not completely finish our talk on entering the harvest, so we want to track back a little bit on that. So we, we talked about preparing <laughs> ourselves for the mission, and so these preparatory actions that we want to take, uh, one is just prepare our mindset for multiplication, and in other words, seeing the harvest, the potential that's there in the harvest. And we also talked about praying before and as we go. We're continually praying. That's really the first action of a, of a missionary is to pray, 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 continually pray. And then we also want to go where Jesus sends us, and he has a plan for that, and so we just follow him, and, and as he reveals that plan to us, we want to go where he sends us, and he is sending us. That's a key part of understanding that we are sent. We're sent out. You know, in John, the Gospel of John, the word sent, which in Greek, apostoli, right. or the sent ones, uh, that's where we get the word apostle. And so in Latin, apostle, the word apostle becomes missionary. Okay, so when we say missionary, we're just using a Latin term, but the Greek term, you can also use that if you want, and it's apostle. So in our other words, with that meaning, knowing what it means, every church should be apost- apostolic. Yes, an apostolic church, yeah. and that doesn't mean anything weird. If, if there are churches that make that into something as an office or something as a weird kind of thing, you have to refer to somebody as their title as an apostle. Uh, that's a little. That's 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 carrying it further that's than unnecessary. What? Exactly. And, and, and but we are sent. That's, that's right. The, that's the whole idea. In that's here right. on exploring missions, we that's part of our mission <laughs> is to let you know, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been sent out. Amen. But we missed a couple of points 
in uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, we want to catch those now. And they're real simple, but the one of those points is that we go as a team. When we, when we are sent out, Jesus sends out a team. And his team was two at a time, two by two, kind of like the animals, I guess, getting onto the ark. And so that I think it's significant that Jesus would send people out in groups rather than as individuals. Loners. Well, you know, the first problem that man had in the garden was aloneness. Yeah. It's not good for man to be alone. And, and so for society, he made woman for a man and a woman. And then when it came to missional, it was two being sent out to encourage. And account- there's two things in it, encouragement and accountability. Yes. And every one of us needs both. Absolutely. And that, you know, some practical aspects would be somebody to talk to on the road as you're going. Um some protection, somebody to kind of protect and watch your back. I would also say, you know, that the different, uh, the way that Jesus and, and the Lord has shaped each individual, one person might be good at talking and the other person might be good at another part, another aspect of the mission. So I don't know how exactly he grouped them up, but it was as a team. And that's the important part to remember. As I would do training, witness training, and two, we would say one of you, even if both of you were gifted talkers, one of them take the lead and the other one do a lot of praying yeah. as the other one takes the lead in, in witnessing. And that pattern, I think, was true then and true now. Very good. The other thing we want to talk about, and you alluded to it when you talked about Jesus saying, hey, I'm sending you out, you know, get out of here, go, ekbalo, that ekbalo word, that he's casting them out into the harvest field as sheep among wolves. So what Jesus is doing, he's giving them some things to watch out for. He's preparing them for difficulties and dangers. Another way of looking at this, he's giving them a list of warnings and a list of restrictions, things not to do. You know, before you have a to-do list, sometimes it's good to have a not-to-do list. Yes, you know? That's good. Yes. And that's definitely true in missions. So look at verses 3 and 4 of Luke chapter 10, and he says, Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. So the first thing you want to watch out for are fatal dangers, okay? In other words, that sheep among wolves idea. So if you think about a sheep, what is, and I already mentioned this today, but what is the... uh, only protection a sheep might have. I mean, do they have sharp claws and fangs? They have nothing. They're defenseless. Let me see. Is it the shepherd? Absolutely. Amen. And when he calls a sheep, is that a compliment? I'm, I'm, I'm going to refer back now. This is personal between Nathan and me, but uh, you, we're letting you in on it. We had a Christmas program <laughs> at our church. And you were responsible for that little sheep. Was it a pleasant experience? It Nathan? was anything but pleasant. So when he calls a sheep, that's not always a compliment. That's to... right. If anybody ever gives you the opportunity to volunteer and do anything with a sheep, just say no. Okay? <laughs> just remember you got it from me. Don't you don't want to deal with a sheep. It's the most aggravating thing you'll ever do. So the only protection for a sheep is to stay near or abide in the presence of the shepherd. And I think that applies just, I mean, that speaks for itself. That's directly for us as we go out. There is real danger in the mission and the task that God has given us to do. Even to the point of loss of life, 
loss of just about any anything materially, there's dangers, real dangers. Another thing to watch out for is false dependencies. Yeah. So Jesus says, don't take a purse or money bag. In other words, don't take extra reserves for yourself. Your provision should not come from yourself. Your provision is to trust in the Lord Amen. for your provision. He is your provision. And we're going to see in a little bit how he actually goes about providing for these workers. But be careful of false dependencies. We can depend on so many, so many things. And one of the easiest things that in the past, and it's becoming less and less these days, but one of the easiest things for an American missionary is to, to depend upon is just the simple fact that they're American. If you have an American passport, you could pretty much go almost anywhere in the world and you have some safety promises that go along with that a lot of times. It's, again, it's been less than what it has in the past, but watch out for depending upon you know, your American citizenship or your uh, financial situation. That can change quickly. Absolutely. I, I got some advice from an older pastor. He said, when you, no matter where you're serving, and it may be a mission agency that is providing funds. It may be individual that's providing funds. And you stay accountable, but your dependence is not on them. Your dependence is on the Lord. Honestly, you're employed of the Lord. And yeah. it's a dual employment. You're employed by those that are, you know, sending you financially support. But the higher calling is the employment of the Lord that he's sent you out. He's the one. And that's a, that's a good thing to remember concerning these false dependencies. Yes. And the last warning that Jesus gives, the one that you want to uh, watch out for, is a friendly distractions. You know, he says, don't greet anyone on the road. That used to bother me, that statement. I was like, does that mean Jesus doesn't want us to witness? And no, that doesn't. that doesn't mean that. It just means that, we can be distracted real easily from the from where he's sending us to go, the task, the specific task that he's given us. Wow. It's easy to be distracted from those things. Yes, there are lots of people with lots of needs, but are they the ones that God is sending you to? Maybe they're the ones that God is sending somebody else to, and you're butting in, if you will. We need to obey his commands, go where he's sending us. And when he says, don't greet anyone on the road, there's a really strategic reason for this. In those days, and we're going to see in just a little bit why Jesus would send people. Let's say he sent this group of two apostles to a certain village. And before they get to that village, they're traveling, they're walking on the road, and they meet some travelers coming either from that direction or maybe going the opposite direction. And Jesus is saying, hey, don't greet anyone on the road. In other words, don't tie yourself in with them where you'll feel obligated to them in certain ways. They might be going to another village. Then what are you going to do if you've obligated yourself to them? And it would be real common for that, those travelers to invite them into their home and stay. And if it's not the right village, if it's not the right town where Jesus is sending you, you're missing out on the mission. Wow. That's awesome. And I, that, that, yeah. that passage is, always, not you, but a lot of folks, that really... Don't be distracted. Stay yeah. on target. God sent you somewhere and... I can't help but think of this passage in Psalm 127 as arrows are, you know, in the hands of a mighty man, so are the children of our youth. 
uh, when I think about that era, stay on target. Don't be distracted. Don't be blown away by every wind in doctrine. Mm-hmm. And don't be turned away by every relationship. Stay on target with God. That's right. Don't give up the uh, the best going after what's good. You know, mm-hmm. go after go after the best. Go after the great thing that God has given you. So, yeah, those are some, some preparatory actions that we can take as we begin to enter the harvest. But let's shift a little bit and talk about engaging the harvest, and this is in Luke chapter 10, verses 5 through 16, and it's a lot to read, but we're just going to pick out a certain, a few things here and there uh, as we go. The first action, this is actually, all right, once you get there, once you get to the mission field that God has sent you to go, what are you going to do? Well, the first action is to give a, and this is, a lot of missionaries use this term, a Shema statement. Look at verse 5. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. Okay? So that's actually a common phrase of greeting in the Middle East, still used today. Christians, Jews, Muslims, they they will say this phrase, but there's a lot of deep meaning in the phrase, especially for a Christian. And so another, just one way to uh, understand it is, you are offering this household, this person, these group of people, the peace that God offers. Peace, the shalom, peace. That means not just a lack of conflict. This really means a, a unified yeah, a unity. It means a, a harmony. It means everything in right relationship. Going back to the way God created the world to, to be, this is what Jesus is offering is this peace. And so the idea about a Shema statement, you know, the, the word Shema is the Hebrew word for hear. And if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord our God is one. Um, the word hear is Shema. And so they, they take that phrase, call it the Shema. And so when you give a Shema statement, it, what, what you're really doing is you're engaging and beginning a conversation. You're framing the conversation in spiritual terms. So if that person has those spiritual ears to hear that God might have given them, they will they will engage with this message. If they don't have those spiritual ears to hear, they won't. And that's how you know who to share with. That's how you know. That's, Jesus is setting this up. He's got it rigged. There's already somebody in this village that that God has already kind of put his hand on and given them those spiritual ears to hear. And the the apostle's task is to go and find that person. How do they find that person? Well, the first step is to give this Shema statement. Peace be upon you. Peace be upon this house. Verse 6 makes it plain. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Yes. In other words, the possibility of response is, and, and this statement will, it will get a response some way or other. That's right. And so you know your next step based upon their response. Now, it says a son of peace or a person of peace in verse 6. A person of peace is, first of all, it's someone who has those spiritual ears. Right. Okay. And so that person is either ready to receive the message or they're not. If they're ready to receive the message, you could call them a person of peace. Now, a person of peace does three things, okay, specifically. A person of peace, one, welcomes the messenger. Okay, they'll welcome you into their house. 
Now, in doing that, remember the warnings and the restrictions that Jesus placed on the apostles as they were traveling? You know, what was it? Watch, watch out for the dangers. Don't have those false dependencies. Don't carry your money or extra clothes. And don't get distracted. Why were you not wanting to get distracted? Because the person of peace was waiting on you. Whether they knew it or not, God had it set up. Wow. And they were going to welcome you into their house. And anything you needed in these days, according to hospitality of the Middle East, again, it's the same way today. They're going to provide for your needs. If you need food, if you need clothes, if you need shelter, they will provide that. They'll actually even provide protection while you're there in their village. Speaking of that, this happened. I was in a conversation, and these people went South Sudan, but it was right up there on the border right. between Sudan where the warfare is still issued. Yes. And a mission team went there. They, you know, they put themselves on the line and they went there and they was wondering how it would be received. But there was this man there who I would call him a warlord, you know, kind of over the area and, yeah. you know, given protection or not. And he was not a Christian, but. He responded to one of those men because the man said straightforward, similar to what you said, peace to this house. He was straightforward with him. And they had the protection, quote, of the warlord in, in the, I think it was seven different areas wow. that they would go to. So powerful individual. And he was a powerful individual. Again, he didn't receive the Lord yet. Yeah. Yet. That's an important word. But God had provided him there so that the word could have that protection. I, when I was hearing that story, Nathan, I'd heard you talk to me about the person of peace so much. That was the first thing I thought of. I said, I believe God's got something even more in store for him rather than just being a, a person of, of protection. He may become that person of peace. Absolutely. So a person of peace will welcome the messenger. And God will use them to provide those things that the messenger needs. But a person of peace will also receive the message. Now, like you mentioned about the gentleman from South Sudan, that does not automatically mean they will believe the gospel and follow Jesus immediately. It might simply mean that they are not opposed to it and they will allow you to share. Okay? They're not, they're not cutting you off. They're not shutting you down from sharing the gospel. They're allowing you to speak because they are interested in this peace that you're saying that you're coming to offer and bring that comes from this person named Jesus. Well, let me hear about Jesus. How, how can he bring peace into my life, into my situation? And so they want to hear more at the least. Possibly they do immediately follow Jesus, but a lot of times it's a process and it takes a while. So they welcome the messenger, they receive the message, but then they also extend their influence. So they have an influence, an influential either position or just as a, as a personality or whatever. They have influence, and so they're going to let the gospel message spread into their what's called, in English, we call it a household. And you see it here in, uh, in verse 5, at the end of verse 5, peace be to this house. The word there in Greek for house is oikos. Yes. Oikos is more than just, it's not a physical building. That's not what this word means. It means household. It means group of people that, that has the same sphere of influence, the same social network. It's the leader of the household. It's the, uh, all the, maybe the spouse, the children. 
It's the uh, maybe brothers and sisters and cousins and nephews and nieces and uncles and aunts and grandparents. It could be neighbors and employees and, and even maybe employers. So some households can be very, very large. With You talked about circle of influence. They might be smaller. And then some can influence a whole group of people, maybe right. the whole village or even a whole nation of people. So now do you see why Jesus doesn't want you to get distracted <laughs> on the way to Amen. get to the person of peace? Yeah. He's got it laid out. He's got it rigged. I got something better. Yeah, exactly. Got something better. So if that person of peace is there, they welcome you, they want to hear what you have to say, and they want other people to hear what you have to say, then what should you do? All right? So you've given your Shema statement. You've identified the person of peace. So what you do next is you remain with them. Look at verse 7. And remain in the same house. Okay? So that... That includes immediately like you want to stay there and not go to the next door and knock on that next door. You're just stay in that one home. Would that mean, I mean, Paul on his, sec, on his missionary journeys, he would stay there for a while, but when it was time for him to leave, he had introduced usually someone under him to remain. Yes. And yes. so if, if, if we're, let's look at it practically. If there's this, I would call him superintendent, you know, missionary superintendent, and he's out there, but he's traveling with those that are associates with him. Together they go, and the mission, uh, the superintendent may be the guy that's the driving force. But while he's doing that, he's he's got somebody there to to remain there with them for quite a while to help disciple them. I mean, is that go along with this? No, it idea? does absolutely. I thought absolutely. It just re- really responded to how Paul would do it. So, so, so Paul did it the way Jesus. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's where yeah. Paul got this. This yeah. is this that's, is that's awesome. Yeah. This is Jesus' master plan for uh, for missions. Yeah. And he lays it out right here in Luke ten. So, we're to remain. That also hints toward discipleship. You know, disciple evangelism. You can take it apart, but you better put it back into discipleship, and that means a long term kind of thing. It's not a short, you know. Hey, here's the gospel. I hope you receive it. I got to go on to yeah. share the gospel the next place. It's hey, let's let's stay and deal with this for a while and, and see some growth happen. Right. So there's discipleship there. So you're remaining in that household, and uh, while you're there, while you remain, what are you to do? All right. What's the next thing? Well, it's pretty funny. It says verse seven and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. And then verse 8, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Now let me say a few things about this. I think there's a reason why Jesus had to repeat it twice in a row. Hey, eat what they give you. Hey, guys, don't forget, eat whatever they put in front of you. These are Jewish men, right? Jewish men going throughout Galilee, which is heavily... Gentile populated. Okay, there's even some almost entire Gentile towns and villages. What if Jesus had sent two of these guys to a Gentile town? What are they going to eat? Are they going to be able to eat kosher food? No. So Jesus is like making a point of emphasis. Hey, whatever they give you, you eat it. You don't have to tell me what it is you ate. Keep it, keep it to yourself, but, but go ahead and eat what they provide. Wow. Um, I think Jesus is engaging a 
a mission to Gentiles that's right here. Exactly. Right here. That, in, I was, when you yeah. said that, that's the first thought I had. So the provision that God has for you, your wages, comes through this person of peace, okay? They're going to give you a place to stay. They're going to give you protection and give you uh, provision. And then you're going to reveal honor, okay? Verse 9, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So these are honorable people. Matthew chapter 10 is kind of a parallel passage to Luke 9. It talks about, also talks about a person of peace, but it talks about an honorable person or a worthy person. It's the same concept, but you're revealing that they are worthy, that they are honorable by you staying, remaining with them, eating their food, and then sharing your message with them. Okay? So here's how you reveal honor. You're going to preach and you're going to heal. Okay? Amen. You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to proclaim the kingdom has come near. But you're also going to, verse 9, heal the sick in it. Okay? So it's a two-handled plow, preach and heal. You can't separate one without the other or you're going to get off track. You want a gospel demonstration, heal the sick, and you want a gospel proclamation, say to them the kingdom of God has come near. So that's what you get there for. Okay? You, get all, you do all that work to get to this point where you can heal, preach, Healing doesn't always mean something physical. It can be emotional. It can be in other ways. Your presence sometimes can be the healing that God brings to that person and into that household. But many times, especially on the frontiers of missions, there are mighty acts of God, signs and wonders that God still does today to allow people to, you know, sometimes they need to see something before they can hear it. And uh, God God will do that as well. The book of Acts really demonstrates that, as you see them going into a frontier mission area, every time it's kind of like the miracles and all of Now, miracles take place everywhere, but them being just a bunch of them gathered together seems to be happening when the gospel's being introduced to a group of people. That's right. Yep. Now, all that is to say what happens when a person of peace is there. What do you do when you knock on the door and you give your Shema statement, hey, I've come to share a message of peace from God to you. Would you like to hear this? And boom, they slam the door in your face. Well, what do you do? Well, you, you find one who will listen. You keep going until someone listens. It, you know, verse 6, it actually says, And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. So it means you, you keep your peace and you go and find someone that you can give it to. But what happens in verses 10 through 12 if no one in the whole town is ready to receive you? Whenever you enter a town, they do not receive you. Go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Now, verse 12 is a key. Jesus says, I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Here's the key. We do not proclaim judgment. That's Jesus' task. Jesus is the one who proclaims judgment. He is the judge. We are to keep the invitation open to whoever we meet. When we share the gospel, the invitation is open. Jesus will handle the rest when he comes. He is the Lord of the harvest, not not the missionary, not the pastor, not the Sunday school teacher, no matter what. 
Nathan, thank you for sharing this with us. Get engaged in the harvest. Enter the harvest. Engage with others and see what God has for you. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions here on the American Family Radio Network. We pray that you would have a great weekend.